0: Welcome to Question Authority, where the best and brightest marketers teach brands about the art and science of questions. I'm your host, Mitch Turk, joined by Enquire Labs CEO, Matt Barr, and our special guest today is Shane Pitson, head of growth and marketing at Quip. What's going on, Shane? <laughs> <laughs> hey. We're just uh, uh, just exchanging some war stories about passing out in bars due to dehydration.
1: Fair enough. Everyone drink one glass of water, right? That's what they say. That's the that's dream. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever achieved that, but you
0: know. <laughs> well, uh, welcome, Shane. Welcome to our layer of inquisition. <laughs> so you were employee number one, right? Equip is yes. that accurate to say? Yeah. So I, I just like the idea that the notion of having a brand say our first employee is going to be someone who's focused on consumer insights and growth and interacting with the customer, I think says a lot about what role your brand plays in like changing behaviors and leading people down a path to, you know, mutual benefit. So I think that's cool.
1: Yeah. No, thanks. I, I thought it was cool too, especially when <laughs> I got the job. <laughs> And I know you guys, I don't
0: know if it's still true, but at some point, right, you guys were spending more on offline than you were on on online advertising. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that was and is still true at the moment. It was an interesting jump into offline. We started with audio and...
0: Podcast or radio or... or Podcast,
1: yeah. Started with podcasts. Our initial kind of thought going into it was like, I don't know if this is going to work because our hypothesis was that facebook was working because our product is you know really well designed and so the uh, most of our ads were very product-led it was like product yeah. is hero kind of that apple type of approach where product is front and center white background yeah
0: which is understandable because the product is is kick ass so like it, <laughs> it's understandable to, to take that approach yeah
1: it came to life in The offline world in a way that we didn't fully expect but Mm. it actually ties into a lot of those behaviors where the product isn't crazy expensive so you know we always make it a priority that you know every podcast host or somebody that's reading an ad has the product beforehand and it allowed people to speak about the product in a way that they're still able to communicate that this thing doesn't look like any other toothbrush you've seen but then what ended up being even more powerful than we realized was people speaking to those more personal details that are a little bit harder to put into an ad in some ways. Like you can mm-hmm. throw in testimonial, but when it's kind of an endorser just speaking about their firsthand experience, it is authentic and helps to make it more relatable. Of like, look, I got Quip, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't remember the last time I replaced my toothbrush. Like, yeah, that's something that's relatable because. On average, people replace their brush once every nine months. Whoa! So people go people go quite <laughs> a while. It's just something that's like out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. Yeah. And so the the service element of Quip, you know, getting that shipment every three months ultimately acts as like a behavioral like nudge or reminder.
0: You know, Christina Rubino from Right Set Up, who was on one of our episodes, was saying exactly that about one of the important hacks to getting good podcast ad and uh, good results is like definitely have to send your product to the host, because as you said, it's really the ultimate word of mouth and word of mouth naturally solves a a ton of the objectives that marketing is usually trying to solve like piecemeal with different kinds of ads in the funnel. You know, you can get, you can nail like seven of the parts of your, your value proposition as marketing objectives in one good word of mouth experience. Right. And so To your point, exactly, when you can actually get the product in front of whoever it might be and they're like, I I didn't know like bristles are supposed to work this way. I always buy the cheap shit and, you know, they don't feel like this or whatever. You know, stuff you would not even think of as a as a product owner, right, maybe to talk about. Okay, so you started in in podcast ads as, as far as exploring offline and that's what we were kind of talking about there. Well, I know you're using surveys in part to kind of measure that stuff. Is that what you were starting off with with the podcast or how else were you kind of assessing that like this was actually going to provide value?
1: As we were towing into offline, we did some subway advertising with, you know, URLs printed on the ads and um, that helped initially. But we quickly were like, there has to be a better way of, of attributing this. And, you know, we spoke with some of the team over at Harry's, you know, they walked us through some of their approach to post-purchase surveys. It was like, Oh, that seems like a great solve for some of this offline media that isn't click-based yeah. um, or cookie-based. So we really prioritized, you know, getting post-purchase survey up and running before we kind of really leaned into testing in the, in the podcast. But then we supplement that with, you know, coupon codes and the vanity URLs. So, you know, we kind of ultimately end up toggling between last click and post-purchase survey responses, and then kind of weighted attribution, like based on those two things.
0: Yeah. You kind of get that freedom.
1: Yeah, no, it that, that was super valuable. And I kind of out of the gate with that, we had a really high response rate. We tend to keep Uh, you know, the first question pretty consistent, which is just what brush did you use last? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, how did you hear about us? And then the third question is where we experiment a lot. So we tend to ask a lot of like innovation and questions about the buying experience or about future buying experience or or preferences. Mm -hmm. No, I mean,
0: it's a really well structured survey for sure. And and yeah, just for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's. Not, I'm glad that you ran through it there. I think the, you know, what brush did you last use question is great. And again, you're kind of, it's that nice balance of like highly tactical attribution, which we've been talking about, the more esoteric and kind of explorative, you know, market opportunity and competitive landscape and all that other stuff. And then like, like you were saying, sometimes some of that market or product R&D, are there any interesting insights out of any of those questions then basically, assumingly, the non-attribution questions um, that are kind of worth discussing.
1: I mean, just out of the gate, what brush did you use last was insightful to us at the time and ultimately insightful to investors um, because the working theory or hypothesis was that, you know, the electric brush market, all of the incumbents were going up market, you know, they're launching new products with new features at new and importantly, higher price points. And so, you know, many kind of assumed that Quip was, you know, a value trade that that people that were shopping more expensive electric toothbrushes were were making, you know, that we were mostly playing within the existing kind of electric brush ecosystem. Right. Come to find out that wasn't the case, um, (laughs) which we're really surprised by and it was much closer to a 50 50 split than we thought and that ended up being that became a really big part of our data and conversation with retail partners and as you know distribution partners are trying to understand okay but how would introducing your product or your service interact with our our guest or our customer you know we were able to kind of come with very statistically significant data showing kind of how we might affect the category as a whole, which yeah. was uh really helpful
0: that's that's pretty kick ass, yeah I mean right. I can imagine talking to like a target or whatever and like going with your original logic of oh we you know we want to sell in like five or ten units to each of your stores because they're gonna have to be on this like really crazy end cap and it's gonna cost you know whatever much money, which is totally basically like shouldn't even be on the aisle with the rest of this stuff to actually saying like, nah, just, just throw it in there, man. Like it will make people think differently about what they're spending on that whole category. And, uh, yeah, probably drive your revenues up for that whole aisle. You're welcome. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like that data really yeah, changed the, you know, the algebra kind of going into, uh, going into those types of decisions. It's right, I'm
0: trying to think of something that that more fits this statement, but I, I'm having trouble. <laughs> like oral care to me is maybe one of the best examples of you know the nuance of personalization and how you really have to talk to your customers and understand them well to be able to successfully sell them stuff because so much of it is a business of, or a sector of neglect. And so being able to nudge folks in the right way to say like, cause, cause you, d- you cannot, well, maybe you can, but I would imagine like you're not going to get the market growth that Quip gets by going into like Facebook categories for targeting and saying like, find me people who floss is like, well, okay, sure. But like find me all the people who know they should floss and are like, I'm willing to do it. If I can just get a couple of nudges, you know, maybe a nice email every once in a while that tells me about the benefits. or so, <laughs> like, some instruction book or even something that just looks cool on the, in the damn cabinet might be enough. Yeah. But you have to, you have to do that work. And then that definitely involves talking to customers and getting feedback.
2: A lot of brand operators just like know how to manage a Facebook agency. Like they're not really into the whole, like, who is my customer? It's like, well, I don't need to know who my customer is. Facebook knows who my customer is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's been, yeah, a big, big focus of ours in the last year and a half or so. You know, both of Quip's founders are industrial designers. So they come from, you know, a background and mindset of, you know, what is the behavior ultimately that, you know, exists and and how do we use design and use the product design to either lean into that or influence that. In the last year and a half, we've expanded from just, you know, the electric brush into refillable mouthwash refillable floss pick refillable gum gum dispenser and Mm -hmm. gum which Um, is great
0: I've seen that because we you know we have a mutual friend at equip and um when he showed me that I was I was just taken back to my days of uh Pez dispensers and I was like oh this is cool
1: (laughs) oh yeah it's so fun I um I was out just this past weekend There was like eight of us, and I was like, "All right, who wants some gum?" And it was everyone was in a circle, (laughs) and I just had the dispenser, and it was just like, "Poof, poof, poof." Yeah,
0: exactly, for sure. (laughs) Um, Shout Shout out to James, by the way.
1: James and and the the whole Quip ID team. Oh yeah, for sure. Everybody, super talented.
0: Yeah. So, other than talking about the kind of the construct of the surveys and the answers that you guys get out of that, I noticed that you kind of wanted to address both the like segmentation value of what you get out of that and then also the kind of the broader you know market research more you know longitudinal or long-term or experimental thinking around that
1: yeah i i, I thought it, it might be interesting to kind of speak to the the point that matt was bringing up at the top of uh, the hour with that kind of evolution of you know how do you think about customer for us you know we were looking at Doing a more in depth segmentation of our customer and like seeking to better understand what the core like psychographics were of the Quip customer and Quip opportunities. And especially as we're looking to continue to expand the brand, we were really interested in where people were shopping. Uh, You know, we built the brand as a direct to consumer brand for a lot of those behavioral things that we were talking about earlier, right? Like, Mm -hmm. okay, if we make something that looks nicer. You know, a lot of people don't brush twice a day, but if there's this cool object that you want to pick up and touch because it looks cool and it's on a mirror mount, that's at eye level. And so maybe it guilts you a little bit when you see it late at night and it's looking right at you. It's the habits and it's the behaviors that make the biggest impact to, to change people's oral health. Mm -hmm. And we were, Really worried that if we change the shopping dynamic, that we might lose some of those benefits. You know, we began to see that you know our kind of core opportunities were very omni-channel shoppers, and that you know one of our segments uh, that had you know the highest likelihood to be interested in buying Quip really valued like product discovery, like at retail, oh. and really valued like kind of being a bit ahead of trend or ahead of the curve sure, yeah you know that set off a whole n- another chain of research where <laughs> that's a journey that we spend a lot of time thinking about you know in the old school sense it was like mail-in rebates and warranty activations you know for quip we have you know a claim code that uh, gets you your first refill free in in a lot of our packaging you know with the plan activates a lifetime warranty you know that's kind of a, a funnel or flow that we continue to test and you know run focus groups with. Yeah, we
2: talk to a fair amount of like legacy brands where it's like we need first party data, we need zero party data, which is te- essentially is survey data. I'm just curious, like within Quip, do you guys ever use the word first party data, or is it more or less innate at this point where it's just customer and like customer data?
1: So yeah, we we tend to you know re- refer to it as as um, customer data. I mean, we throw around. PPS as like an acronym all the time because it's referenced really frequently um, as kind of its own data source. Got it. And then every once in a while, and the marketing group will throw around the HDYHAU. How did you hear about <laughs> us? Acronym, which is yeah. a hefty one. But I saw Wilson hung from a kettle on fire using it, and I was like, <laughs> that is still more efficient than typing all of that out. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah we get like Heidi how every once in a while and it, I don't I personally don't use that I, I think maybe we we probably should because I know there's people that can recognize that but I just don't feel comfortable saying it uh, <laughs> so I totally hear yeah, that. yeah I yeah. just I brought that question up because it's it's interesting to me how direct-to-consumer brands especially ones that go omni-channel now like they still operate in such a different way than legacy brands um as they mature too. And it's a lot of it's just like, it's just funny talking to larger brands where, like, we need more first party data. And it's like Shane Equip, it's like first party data. No, that's just, that's just customer data. And we already have a ton of it because that's how we operate. It's not, we don't put a label on that kind of data. Yeah. It's, so, it's innate, as you said. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Well,
0: I'll, I'll let us part with this uh, unintentional testimonial for uh, flossing, which is that the best advice I ever got at the dentist's office was the hygienist asked me if I flossed and I said, uh, I don't. And she said, well, listen, just floss the ones you want to keep, okay? <laughs> That'll do it for today. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and rating the show. Go to getquip.com to check out their ever-expanding range of oral care products or to see who Shane's hiring these days. Question Authority is made possible by Enquire Labs, the leading post-purchase survey provider for over 1,500 DTC brands. To learn more and grab a 14-day free trial, check out enquirelabs.com. See you next time.